Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, guys, and welcome to our brand new podcast, Broadway Breakdown. I am one of your hosts, John Wiscavage, and uh, the- and, uh oh, <laughs> okay, it's there going we well. It's going so well. I was like, great, and I'll enter here. No, sorry, I missed my cue. I apologize. I'm your other host, Matt Koplick, and my timing is terrible. So, all right. <laughs> no, his timing's so great. Um, and yeah, and so this is our inaugural Ooh. podcast. For our little love child, our little Broadway breakdown, where, you know, we're doing something really groundbreaking. Two gay men talking about musical theater. And death. And everything in between. And death. Honestly, every day, a little death. Yes, thank you, Anne and Charlotte. Between the two of us, who would you say, would I say you're the Charlotte to my Anne. Would you say that's probably accurate? I... I, I would I would say so, yeah, I really do. And so honestly, if you don't get that reference what the you fuck are you doing s- listening to this? No, you should pro- you should probably stop listening to this podcast because you're um not gonna get a lot of it. No. But yeah, so this is this is the first episode. I feel like um we should maybe just talk a little bit about what it is we're gonna be talking about. Um, we're going to be talking about engineering, astrophysics, and <laughs> football. Fit, I think that's football. Fit football isn't that how the how Americans call it? Football. Oh, no? football! Oh my god! Oh, do you think I was saying like fit like F I T? Yeah, I was like, what's football? I was like, is that like a new like step counting app? Um, no, that was my accent work. <laughs> You guys, you're in for Tyler. You were in for quite a treat right here. Um This is this is gonna be I think this is already gonna be something quite special. I think so too. I really, really do. Um so so yeah, so Matt, do you you're the one who kind of like came up with this idea and concept. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh I'll talk about how my brain works for a few minutes. Uh yeah. you know, everybody bear with me. It's gonna it's going to be a rump, bumpy ride. Um, or a rumpy yeah, bide. So, or a rumpy bide. Who knows? Honestly, anything's possible at the Broadway Breakdown. Um, yeah, so I 
those of you who don't know me, and if you don't know me, I don't know how you found this podcast, but I do a web series called uh, Baking It on Broadway, or rather, I did. It's coming to an end. And I was trying to think of something new to do to pass my time because sitting alone with my thoughts is dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. And I had I had met John rather recently through a, a friend of ours watching RuPaul's Drag Race, which if you don't watch it, also, what are you doing on this podcast? Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> uh, so, so I knew John sort of well, not well as well as I had hoped. And I, those of you who aren't friends... Facebook friends with John, and if you aren't, you're missing out. He posts these amazing videos, and he tweets, and he statuses all these quite hysterical things. And I thought to myself, I feel like if you could get John and me into a room and talk about Broadway, you'd just have, like, you know, the best time in the world. Add a couple of... Magic. Just, like, it's it's like the equivalent of, like, Stephen Sondheim tears. Like, we are just... (laughs) We're delivering you musical theater glory... The next yeah, word that the, comes to my mind is whole, but that's, I, no. I, like, I know that's not there, what it should no. be. But, let, yeah, let's just say that. We're a Sondheim glory hole. We're everything you want Stop, if, about musical theater conversation. God, what if children end up listening to this, John? You're going to, like... Oh, my gosh. Uh, you're going to be a terrible influence. Anyway, the, yes, the goal was to be a Stephen Sondheim musical theater glory hole. Yep. And so far, yep. only the second part of that has come true on our first podcast. Yeah, so, so far, far we've, been a, we've so just far, been a glory hole. We're just a dirty truck stop glory hole. Yeah. With like but, a hint of glitter, like someone tried to make it nice after a while and just like failed. It's like when you put a fresh coat of paint on a Super 8 motel. It's like, it's still yeah. a Super 8, you know? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah so like, so let, let me finish out the, uh, the, the prologue of this. Uh, this is turning into like the Les Mis prologue. It's so fucking long. Um, we, I, re- I reached out to John and I was like, let's talk about Broadway. And he's like, absolutely. And he goes, side note, I'm going to be in Canada for the entire summer. So mm-hmm. in case you're wondering why, like, it sounds like we're not in the same studio, it's because we're not, we're in two separate countries. Uh, John is in Canada doing a wonderful musical called Murder for Two. Mm-hmm. John, John is playing one of the two. I'm assuming. I, I do. Yeah. 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 I do. Yeah, I've never. I've never seen the show, but I, according to the title, it's two of you. So I'm assuming you're one of the two. Yeah. It, it, well, although I play uh, ten different characters, so like, don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> no, it's also why I have this beautiful morning voice because I spend most of the show just like I'd say like doing like a super healthy like mix belt, and by mix belt I mean like just like screeching my vocal cords. So if at any if at any point I sound like the ghost of Elaine Stritch, it's because I am. It's because you are the ghost of Elaine Stritch. It's because it's ten a.m. in Canada, and I had a show last night, and and this is this is this is what this is what a BFA gets you in vocal training. It's very true. I mean, I guess you're not really the ghost of Elaine Stritch unless you woke up and drank some makers on the rocks or something like that. Did you do that? Is that how you warmed up today? Yeah, definitely didn't do that. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Definitely. Can't say the same. Didn't do that. No, it's, this, this isn't, it's, it's not a coffee mug full of red wine. I swear everybody. Uh, well, we haven't gotten there yet. Maybe second or third episode. We'll get to that point. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so now you all know that's the, that's the, how we met. That's how this podcast came to be. And, uh, over the course of many text messages and, coffee dates john and i came up with a structure 
it's slowly crumbling as we speak. And oh yeah, yeah, I just, it's all gone out the window. But uh, yeah, and here we are, and it's very exciting. And I hope that this doesn't turn into a giant clusterfuck. I don't think it will. You don't. Um, and if it does, and if it does, you know what? Like bigger clusterfucks have happened. And that's one of the things actually we're going to talk about on this show. That is true. We kind of want to do a, how do you like that for a segue? Let's like pause and talk about that. Like that was such a good segue. That was so like, anyways, that was a Sondheim segue that like went right into the next was. book scene. So, so one of the things we're going to talk about on this, this podcast is kind of like, we're, we want to break down the different sections of theater. Like, theater is such an all-encompassing, amazing entity. And there are so many parts of it that work. And there are so many parts of it that don't work. And there are so many shows that maybe seem like they should have worked and they didn't. And so one of the, like, overarching themes of this is that we're going to break down different sections. We're going to take some episodes and talk about different shows and, and talk about why they worked or maybe do like a redemption episode about a show and talk about what maybe like why they didn't work because of the political climate, because of the social climate, because of what was happening on Broadway, because what was happening behind the scenes and kind of just like talk about like, break those sections down, maybe talk about, like, what could have happened differently. I mean, like, I want to discuss eventually Jane Eyre the musical and talk about, like, that's one of my, like, favorite musicals, and talk about, like, break down the beats of why Jane Eyre the musical is just, like, lost in the musical theater canon. The other thing we want to talk about is also, like, get really literal and talk about literal breakdowns. I mean, I, I have some here in front of me that we could definitely, I think we're going to talk about later in the, oh, as do in I. the episode. As do I. Um, for, the, for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, equity breakdowns or non-equity breakdowns for auditions. When you audition for a show, the company that's doing the show posts a breakdown of all the roles and what they're looking for in each role. And some of them are pretty to the point and some of them are confusing and some of them are just ridiculous. And so, yes, we will, yeah. be dis- we will be discussing that today for the first episode and future episodes. Yeah. So, so those are just a couple of things that we will be breaking down. And if at this point I learn enough technology to do one of those, like, wiki wiki, like, future John, <laughs> this is the time to edit that in. So, hopefully, yeah. wiki wiki. Wiki. Cool. Like like so, the, like the like the record wiki wiki like in like a nineties hip hop kind of thing. Yeah 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 like a, yeah like it's the breakdown wiki wiki. So <laughs> maybe that's our theme song. Someone call Lilla Crawford. We're getting her to record it. Okay. She's gonna. I just want. I want it to be like it. a compilation of like Patty Lapone line readings. Millie, I beg to differ with you. I want that to be like our segue into everything. Uh, like anytime I you and I go it, on like I think a date, probably you start to Millie, I beg to differ with you. <laughs> that was my first foyer into Patti Lapone was that Anything Goes recording. And I remember someone had burnt it for me, so I didn't have the actual CD cover. So I had no idea who this woman was. But I remember listening to it and being like, I have no idea what she's saying. But I know that I have, like, the biggest gay boner for her. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, every time she belted, I was like, ugh. Listen to that chest voice. And then my parents were like, do you want to go to church? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I'd listen to Patty, Patty Lapone on the way to church, which, That's, you know, symbolic symbolism, really. Yeah, I mean, I, 
that might have been my first uh, introduction to her too, because I the first oh, really? recording of Evita I ever had was actually the movie soundtrack, um, oh, which well, I'm which sorry. also I want that to be a lesson to everybody that just because uh, you're given a specific recording as your introduction to a piece doesn't mean it has to be the definitive interpretation for you. You can grow and you can learn. But yeah, when yeah. I was like seven, uh, so my dad used to work in film, he, like not anything like fancy he wasn't like steven spielberg or anything like that but he was fancy enough that he got a lot of free swag including mm -hmm, the avita mm -hmm. soundtrack because the movie was coming out and i remember listening to it and i was like this is funky but i don't understand any of it and the patty lapone thing i had was the anything goes and similar to you i was like i don't know what she's saying but i'm loving every second of it it was just it was like purely chemical like i couldn't yeah like, you can't explain the connection that you get when you listen to patty lapone sing it's just it's there and you feel it you don't understand it um but it's yeah no, it's, it's, you don't you, you don't really don't but you want to know something like, else got, uh, it, it's such a it, it's such a ring of keys moment it really really is <laughs> it really and, like, is and, mazel tov for janine tesori for giving us ring of keys to describe all those first Krohn, gay moments shout out to her oh, yes sorry sorry well, sorry, sorry the Lisa, one so thing sorry. i'll say though is it was extra confusing for me because i actually had like the legitimate cast album like with the pamphlet and everything that with like sassy mm. woman on the boat and there's a mm. picture of patty in it uh in her blow gabriel blow costume and you can google it it's mm -hmm. it's she's she has a flaming red-haired wig and she's wearing this giant Always. red dress with the deepest plunge you've ever seen i'm talking like v-neck plunge down to her like her down to like her pubes it's like insane down, down to her lapone yeah down, to, down yeah. to her giant lapone and yeah. she's like striking this big pose of sort of like you just know she just hit a d and it sounded incredible <laughs> and she's like so proud of herself and i remember looking at this photo all the time and like just being so confused as to why i was drawn to it because i was like yep. i was seven i didn't think it was sexual but i would always just like kind of come back to it um and yeah so i this is all to say that her line reading and you're the top of the belly i back to differ with you we're going to use that at some point as a as a transitional sound effect now now Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. So I feel like with this first episode, we should probably just like start with something easy. We'll like slightly. God, why is everything so sexual to me today? I was going to say, slightly just like lube you up. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's like almost one o'clock here, so I'm already in that stage. I before noon, I'm never like that, so you've got no excuse. I never, I never am either. I don't know. I, apparently, podcasts bring out the sexual deviant in me, or maybe what brings up the sexual deviant in me is Sondheim musicals. Which surprise Sondheim segue. I know that you saw Assassins last night, and that's the first thing I want to talk about. And so, okay. I think it's I think it's so exciting that Assassins is back in New York right now for a little encores for their off center season, and I. I want to hear all about it because I'm missing it and everybody has the right to be happy and I do too. So give it to me. Is that what you told Sondheim too? No. <laughs> I, what, I, what I told him was, please, I haven't eaten in three days in your basement. I need at least a slice of gluten-free bread. If you're going to bruise me, do it under the shirt so no one can see. Um, yeah. Yeah. So or, at least, yeah. or at least let me, you know, star in, I don't know, Sondheim on Sondheim. At some regional theater. I, I mean, Anyways, <laughs> I just want to be the beggar woman in like some gender bending production of Sweeney. That's what, that or love it. Like I would go for either. But anyway, so yes, 
on to assassins. Um, assassins. Yeah, I saw the invited dress last night. So I'm going to try and like talk more about the show itself because it was the first time they did it in front of an audience and Encores, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Encores mm-hmm. is a very short rehearsal period. Although I do want to get on my soapbox for a quick second. Um, those of you who don't see Encores very often, even off-center or regular Encores, it started off literally just like as a concert. Like it was the first like two mm-hmm. seasons, I think, was like everyone was in like black cocktail gowns and tuxedos and had scripts and they were in front yeah. of a big orchestra and they just went up to a mic and they did the show like as written, as originally orchestrated. And then... Uh, when they did Chicago, they like. I was gonna say Chicago is the one that changed it, right? Yeah, like they. It wasn't. It wasn't fully stage Chicago. It there like they would still have people like stand up and just sing, but there was actual choreography this time, and it was more of an integrated production. Everybody still had scripts, uh, and mm-hmm. it was like sort of the first time that everybody recognized the brilliance of that show in a long time and it Mm. moved to Broadway immediately became the Chicago we all know and love and ever since then Encores has sort of stepped up its game every year to the point that now they're basically productions like sometimes someone will have a script because I think for like equity reasons someone has to hold a script at least once for it to still count as a staged concert I think I, I feel oh, like, interesting. I, I didn't know that, but that that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I feel like that that that's part of the rules. Like at least at one point, someone has to have a script, mm-hmm. and usually they give it to like the legend who's only got like two days of rehearsal. Like I remember when I saw Little Me, everyone was off book except for Judy Kay. Sure. And truth be told, she did she didn't need to be. She was like, "I'm Judy Kay. I got two Tony Awards." Right. But I feel like that's sort of one of the ways they get um uh more uh polished respected actors like judy k to come on is like you don't have to be memorized like hold the script we don't care mm. well you know like the young chorus kids they're like no you got to be off script yeah those young um, chorus kids are literally just like flipping for their lives and judy k is just like flipping pages for her life and you're like i don't care i love it <laughs> exactly um but it does create a weird dynamic when you're judging an encore's production now because it is still like a short amount of rehearsal time and mm-hmm. yeah. you can't totally judge it as like a fully integrated production. But at the same time, you're like, I mean, they're all fully costumed with big old sets and staging and like, I don't know. Yeah. So so I, I always kind of have that internal conflict in me uh, mm. when I watch a non-core show. Uh, this was pretty staged, I would say. Like it was mm. it was a ba- it was a unit set. They had um, the big set piece was like a grid, like a big dream girls grid on top of the stage that uh, had things slide to and back from like the back gallery so they would have like a bullseye target mark mm-hmm. they would have pictures of presidents that they would try to shoot at uh, a picture of Jodie Foster and a picture of uh, Charles Manson floated to the front at one point to which one woman in the audience shouted oh god and everyone in the theater just like erupted in laughter um, <laughs> just cause, just cause like she... a picture a framed picture of Charles Manson is just like floating at you and some woman yeah, some like... stupid woman two rows in front of me oh god I know. Calm down, girl. Oh gosh, I love when people do that. And it was an it was an invited dress rehearsal, and so I assumed that everyone in the theater, if you know, they didn't know Assassins intimately. Like I don't know the show like in great detail, but I know the show well enough to know what mm-hmm. I'm getting myself into. Like I know the yeah. concept, I know most of the songs. Um, I'd never seen it before, but I knew the show decently. But there was also a row of like 19 year old girls behind me. I don't know how they got in, but they like. I, for some reason they just like didn't understand they were seeing assassins um like the like the 
the scene between Squeaky From and uh, what's her name? Sarah, Sarah Jane, Jane Moore is that her name? Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane, yeah. The the Kentucky Fried Chicken pot smoking scene, yeah, great yeah. scene. But it's like it's so hippy dippy and like up in its own head. And at some point, they're talking about Charles Manson and like the apocalypse that's essentially going to happen. Mm-hmm. And these girls behind me are sitting there, like, "What is this show?" Oh. And I wanted to turn around and be like. Even if you it's don't, assassins. <laughs> it was jazz hands. It's assassins. Even if like, yeah. like even if you don't know the show that well, it's still called assassins. You know, you're not seeing Anastasia. Like, right? Oh my gosh! The hell? No, I know. Unless um, maybe they thought they were. Were they? Were they wearing like um, little like uh, tea party prom dresses? Because I swear, like every girl when I saw Anastasia was like dressed like that, and I was like, girl, calm down. Like, if you were a female at a Broadway show. Unless you were there, like, dressed, like, to the nines as a fashionista, like, no one's looking at you. We're all, we're all, we're all waiting to look at Ramin Karamlu. Like, and so, oh, gosh, that, that drives me crazy. Well, it drives me well, crazy, too. That is the other kind of thing about assassins I was thinking as you were talking was that, like, I feel like now, I'm sure when it first came out, it was even more so. But, like, I feel like people don't really go to see assassins unless you know what you're getting into. Like, I feel like... Yeah. Like, I, like I've only ever seen one production of Assassins. It was at my college, so I'm just going to go and say it was, I'm sure, the pinnacle of the most perfect production of Assassins that I will ever see. Absolutely, <sighs> the way Sondheim intended it to be. Yes, exactly. Like, with, with, like, barely out of puberty uh, post-teenagers, you know, yeah. playing it. Yeah. It's perfect. No, yeah. But, Screw but, you, Joe Mantello, and your Tony Awards. Exactly. So, like, but, like... But the thing is, is that's so odd to me, and so that's so also funny that like, like I'm I wasn't surprised when you just said that there was like a floating picture of Charles Manson. Like, yeah, sure, yeah, that's, um, that's an assassin's. Yeah. That's, okay. Okay. So that's kind of interesting set wise. Yeah, the um, set set was the set. I thought was actually pretty good. Um, okay. I I'll always maintain that the roundabout production that was you know basically underneath like the cyclone roller coaster was perfect yes. set, perfect theme perfect production because i actually uh came across a bootleg of the original like playwrights horizons production um super bad quality it's in like black and white it's in like the third row and it's at an angle but you can basically get an idea of the staging and i was surprised at like how choppy it was not like because the show itself is essentially vignettes right yeah Um, of course themed themed vignettes yeah but there was no cohesiveness to the original staging it was like each scene was a different backdrop and a different lighting style, and you can under- I can understand why people who walked into the first production, knowing nothing about it, might have been turned off by it because it was, in addition to just you know being a very hard subject matter to deal with, mm-hmm. it was also very like everything was very separated and didn't really come together. Mm. And I think that over time, directors have tried hard to make it all come together. Uh, and yeah. Thought, yeah, this director did a very good job with that. Um, cool. A lot of a couple of blackouts every now and then, which I'm not the greatest fan of i feel like we as musical theater society have sort of matured out of yeah we, we blackouts we, we phased out of blackouts i would agree with yeah. that yeah it's like that whole in the like 1940s and early 50s when they were like bring down the curtain to do a scene change and to come it back up like we're done with that yeah. like scenery has evolved lighting has evolved we as you know an audience have evolved and we want a little more seamless uh uh, transitions yeah so there was some of that but every now and then there'd be a blackout and i get it it's encores but i was also like and like no i, hmm. I want that to go into the next scene now it's but, moods but, ruined you ruined it and um, and Kaufman who directed it um 
I'm not really super familiar with her work. I was kind of, I was looking up a few things and it seems like she doesn't really direct a lot of musicals. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. Uh, no, as far as I'm aware, she doesn't. Really she, do she's, 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 she's kind of like the New York theater workshop, like go to person. Um, and so I get, I get kind of wanting a more, um, theatrical, uh, like a straight theater based director for production, like assassins, because it is, it's such an interesting musical. Like I, I love it, but like I, it's, it's such a weird mix of, of things that like, and, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, you talking about things coming together. I think that's the beauty of the show is that like, it's a lot of different crazy parts that probably shouldn't work together. And sometimes don't depending on the production, they don't. But when you get it to work together, it's really quite moving and quite awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I sort of have always looked at Assassins as, like, if you, like, put all the Sondheim shows as, like, a as like a graduating class of BFA musical theater majors, Assassins mm. is, like, the one that could have easily gone into, like, teaching or, like, communications, <laughs> but, like, had a really good voice and a really deep love of theater. So when yeah, yeah, theater, yeah. And she's, like, she's that one. She's was, the one was who's, the like... One, was the one who came in, like, every class only singing either, like, Adam Gettle or, like, Ricky Ian Gordon or, like, some, like, oh, yeah. crazy out there song about, like, a Pegasus horse with, like, Absolutely. flowing music in seven eight time and and they're like um the assignment was to sing a patter song absolutely <laughs> like this the, like the big spring musicals carousel and she comes yeah. in with janice joplin and you're like why and she's like because it's but how she my was, soul felt today it's she, like fun. but she was still good she was still good yeah she sounded great yeah, she, she sounded, sounded great, great. she connected to it really had like, her beats yeah you just don't sing janice joplin for you know kismet but that's yeah, neither no. that's here than air. But yeah. you're right. Assassins is one of those musicals, um, similar in my mind to like Spring Awakening or the first act of, of uh, Falsettos, or if you're just going to do March of the Falsettos, where it it is very choppy in terms of writing and structure. And so a director really needs to find a way to make it into a big hole and mm. have it sort of flow in and out and all feel of the same theme. And, yeah. you know, as I said, it's encores. You can't judge it on a super professional level they didn't have two months of prep and i'm assuming they only had like a day of tech before this but there was a lot of it that worked very well and i felt like you it all felt like it was of the same show even if Mm. uh some moments were maybe not quite as polished as sure they should be and that that is that is a show where it is not so ironclad that if something's slightly messy it still works like it you really need to kind of Mm. have laser focus to make it work um, but no, yeah. yeah, I would say the thing that probably resonated most with the audience was uh, the Ballad of Booth, weirdly enough, because mm. that was that was because the whole theme of that one is, first of all, the balladeer in this production was a, an, an African-American actor, which really yes. was really interesting to have him sing the Ballad of Booth with uh, Stephen Pasquale there singing uh, John Wilkes Booth's monologue about you know yeah. slavery and how yes. lincoln killed the country and it, it added a great resonance to it which mm. i thought was very powerful but also just what how booths justified his actions you but you can see why someone feels so passionately about their country that if they are un, an unhinged person yeah. they can justify themselves doing that um which i think is also the brilliance of the show agreed and it takes a really terrible act and doesn't so much justify it but makes you kind of sit there and not look at it quite as black and white as you might have before, which is yeah, very amazing. Which which is the which is the brilliance of like 
human nature and, and, and point of view and like our, like our minds, how they work is that like every single one of these people were convinced that what they were doing was so exactly right. And so it's, it's, uh, that's one of the things I've always loved about the show. Why did you do it, Johnny? Nobody agrees. You who had everything, what made you bring a nation to its knees? Some say it was your voice had gone. Some say it was booze. They say you killed a country, John, because of bad reviews. Um, were there other than um, Stephen Pasquale and I believe Clifton Duncan, who played the, the balladeer, were there any yeah. other standouts that you really love? Like, I'm such a big Stephen Boyer fan. I... I I, Stephen Boyer is lovely. Uh, that role's not no, it's super not. impressive. He has the one song really, so that was a little disappointing to me. Mm. Um, I wish I had the playbill in front of me. It's uh, oh wait, no, I do, I do actually. One moment. Um, the actor who played uh, the one who in the Santa Claus costume. Uh, oh oh um um, uh, ba, 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 ba. is it Samuel? Bick? Samuel Bick, yeah, yeah. His name was Danny uh, Wollahan, and he, I, he was great. He like really that, that's captured such, the that's audience a, with his two monologues. Yeah, I was gonna say that's such a fantastic role because you aren't given a song; you're just given these monologues, these epic monologues. And every time I see it, I or the one time I saw it, well, I did see the, I did watch a, um, how do you say in French, a, um, a bootleg on uh, YouTube of the, in, of the revival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always so captivated by, by that character and by those monologues. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He how did was, it. He was great. How was, um, how was Margaret Johnson, AKA Victoria Clark as <laughs> Sarah Jane Moore? Did, did the she pony was, kick her? The, the pony didn't kick Margaret. The pony kicked Clara. I know. God. In my mind, the pony kicks everyone. <laughs> that pony is in it to win it, just kicking everyone under the sun. Um, she was good. She was actually a drier uh, Sarah Jane more than I'm used to. I'm, mm. And granted, I'm used to uh, Becky Ann Baker and mm-hmm. even Deborah Monk, who really kind of played up the... Uh, I'm going to totally butcher the pronunciation. The frivolity, is that how you say it? Like, the frivolousness yeah. of, of that yeah. character. Sarah Jane Moore, I've always sort of seen as super earnest, like, no sarcasm. Like, everything she says is how she feels. Almost like, yeah. a, like, almost like a wannabe oh. sorority sister, if that makes sense. Mm. I've always seen her as, um, like, yeah, as, like, a tad neurotic, even. Like, everything's just kind of, like... Sc- you know, she's obviously very scattered, but like, yeah, she, 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 she's so like earnest in her scatteredness of like, oh, well, I'm trying to figure it out, but like, ah, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost because, because she is so earnest, she can't even get it together because she's just so like of the moment all the time. And yeah. you know, there's always, there's that running gag of she's got the great big purse and she can't mm-hmm. find anything. Exactly. She's yeah. always shooting off. She's always shooting off the gun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Vicky Clark, uh, was she was good. She was she was very dry though. Um and it was a very different interpretation of the role that I enjoyed, but I wouldn't say it was my favorite. Like it's not if I were to direct a production of Assassins and, you know, give me twenty grand and I'll do it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go with that mold. But it was it was good. She found a lot of uh laughs in the role mm-hmm. that aren't that aren't in places that aren't always there. There was some uh there was one moment that Oh, I wanted to actually bring up uh, th- with Assassins. Every Sondheim show like 
has the debate about it. So like Follies, intermission, no intermission. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Sweeney Todd, like include the beggar woman's lullaby in the second act or don't. And Always include it. You think so? I love it. Uh, I love we'll, that we'll gonna, moment. We'll get into that debate another day. I like it too. I do think that it kind of gilds the lily of the moment. But um, with, with, with Assassins, the moment of debate is always a song that was added to the production in 1992. So a uh, little short history lesson. Assassins opened at Playwrights Horizons in uh, December of 1990. It was supposed to be like the next big Sondheim show, but it got a lot of backlash. Uh, critics were very mystified by it and audiences really hated it and didn't really see a major production again until 1992 at the Donmar Warehouse, where then artistic director, future Oscar winner Sam Mendes uh, directed it. And the thing that really changed it, and changed it actually for Frank Rich, who reviewed both productions, was they added a song towards the end of the show called Something Just Broke, which is mm-hmm. uh, a song for that represents sort of the American public as they all sort of react to the different presidents getting shot and dying. And some people think that it's unnecessary. Some people think that it's too sentimental. But I actually think it makes the show work. And Frank Rich agreed with me on that. He said the adding of that song makes the commentary of the show that much more focused because up until that moment you're only focusing on each assassin and their personal problems and their lives and why they did what they did and they're justifying their actions for themselves mm-hmm. and then when that song happens you realize the uh effect that it has on millions and millions of people and it's not done in this grandiose manner it's very simple sometimes yes. really good at kind of finding the specificity in the great big uh, emotions of songs. I was out in the yard Taking down the bed sheets When my neighbor yelled across The president's been shot I remember where I was Just exactly where I was In the yard out back The president's been shot I was getting me a shoe shine Folding sheets When I heard We were waiting for a parrot Newsboys Suddenly they're shouting in the street Lizzie Sheets The president's been shot I'll remember it forever And I thought Where I was, what I was doing Something just broke The president's been shot My God I, I absolutely am always so completely moved by that song um, and that moment just as like it's I don't know if you've ever talked to your uh, parents about the moment when JFK was assassinated but like it's so true like they remember exactly everything about where they were my parents remember so much about that day and my parents can hardly even remember my name most of the time <laughs> like they're literally like which child are you and I'm like I'm the gay one and they're like oh right oh, god right that one oh. it's same though same um, like my yeah. my grandmother calls me by like all my other cousins names my 93 year old grandmother but she remembers everything about the day JFK got yeah, shot it's and, insane and so it's, a, it's such a brilliant moment and I, I, it's such a brilliant show and I'm so happy that it's um, it's having its little another little moment in the sun in New York because I think I think no matter what, it, having re- reviving theater and reviving good theater, even if the productions might not be everything we wanted in any kind of way, I think it's always just so important because this is a show that 
is about politics, which is one of the aspects we get to discuss in theater. And, you know, like, some would maybe say that, like, our current political state, like, isn't the best. I'm not exactly sure who those people are who would say that. But, like... I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen more balance in the world. I, yeah, I don't know. I, like, yeah. I, I, I've, I've heard through the grapevine... Some which rumbling, is, Which is a dance move that I do oft. Um, I, uh, <laughs> it's the best way to I, impress at a dance call. Yes, a it is. Fine. Just do a grapevine. Um, yeah, and so, so I'm, re- I'm really quite happy that it's going on right now. I want to bring up one other little news article um, before we move on to some other little sections to talk about. And so I'm actually having a little trouble finding it, and I'm wondering... If you saw it and maybe it was taken down, I swear I didn't dream it in a fever dream. But I saw an article yesterday that was a review of Donna Murphy and Hello Dolly Mm -hmm. that basically said Donna Murphy... I'm even afraid to say it because speaking of assassins, I could just feel someone like having like a laser pointer like shot in my forehead. You're you're simply quoting. You're simply quoting. Go go for it. I'm simply quoting. I'm simply quoting that this review from a very large news source said that Donna Murphy outshines Bette Midler. And I I'm I'm intrigued. Have you have you seen Donna Murphy yet in the role? I have not. Uh, I've had a few friends who saw her and said she's absolutely wonderful, and I'm sure she is. She is wonderful. But um, I've, only, I, I've only seen Bet. Uh, so I would like to go back again and see Donna. Yes, I would uh, too. I, I, think, I think I just found it. I just... Was it... I, just, so there were, I, know, I know Hollywood Reporter reviewed it and Deadline reviewed it. Uh, was it one of those two? It's AM New York. Um, and, oh, AM and, New York. And the, and the title grabbed my eye with like a huge hook yesterday because it is Hello Dolly review Sans Bet Midler stand by Donna Murphy outshines star. That is like a loaded review statement I would say. Well, I mean they they did their job. They got you to view it and I think they that did. truth be told that probably was the goal more so than stating their opinion. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's a, it's quite an interesting review and I I think some of it brings up some interesting points which is that um I, I, once again you know like have neither of us having seen donna perform and both of us having seen bet which was i mean talk about like a night out in the theater that i just like enjoyed from start to finish and not even just because of like how wonderful and fantastic and amazing her performance was and the and the production as a whole but i mean like there was like an energy and a buzz in that theater when you go in there of like so many people are just so ready to be entertained and to like have a good old musical comedy like time. Oh, yeah. um, but one of the it, it's like the it's like the gayest, most well behaved rock concert that show. Like everyone, is. everyone goes crazy. But, but one of the things that the the article brings up, which I thought was very interesting, was that. Um, Donna Murphy, although, of course, like, is playing Dolly, the, the titular character in Hello, Dolly, um, is that she makes the show a total ensemble piece. And although she is without a doubt the, like, beacon of light in the production, she helps all her other castmates shine. And I thought that was really an interesting kind of 
point to bring out because with a show like Hello, Dolly, that is a huge tug-of-war challenge, isn't it? Because, like, people are going to see Dolly. People went to go see Carol Channing. They went to go see Pearl Bailey. They, you know, like, the movie, they went to go see Barbara Streisand. Um, And so I thought it was just really interesting because it was saying that at the same time she outshined Bette, once again, not my words, once again, this... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, no I'm, one go to Canada I, and shoot John. Once again, me. Matt Windham, who wrote the review, his words. But um, but not only did she outshine Bet, but that she made her other cast members shine even brighter. And I just thought that was such so interesting because um, as theater, I think that's I think that's a huge part of it. What what do you think? Am I am, am I digging I mean, too deeply into this review into like a psychological like? I mean, I think you're digging a little too deeply into Hello Dolly, but that's that's how neither here dare there. you? How dare I? Okay, sure, yeah, fine, fine, fine. I've been I I've been talking about Hello Dolly with my therapist for the past three months now. Okay. That's all we've been talking about. Oh my god, your therapist must love you. Um, it's. Dolly, you're right, Dolly is a, is a very weird beast, because it is technically a star vehicle, but... Right, it's, it's, like, it's the exact opposite of Assassins. Like, you have yeah. a complete ensemble yeah. show, and then you have a star vehicle, but with a lot of interesting characters. But and not even that, like, it's not a funny girl or a gypsy where the leading lady is on stage 80% of the time. Dolly actually is not on stage that often. It's sort of like, yeah. she comes makes a huge impression then she's off stage for like 15 minutes comes back makes a big impression is off stage again for like another 20 minutes comes back makes a big impression closes out act one and then she doesn't come back in act two for like again another like 20 minutes uh it's long intervals and part of it is sort of like the i guess the leave them wanting more sort of thing and it also could have been that you know Carol Channing, who originated the role, really is only best in small doses. Um, Mm -hmm. And they probably knew that. Like, come on, have Carol do her thing. Make the audience, you know, want to see her again. Then have her come back on, do her thing. Uh, So, I mean, it is... I want to say it's an ensemble show. But it is a show where, while the star does shine brightest, she doesn't shine longest, if that makes sense. Like, she's... Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of room for that supporting cast to make their case and they kind of need to it's like dolly cannot shine if the supporting cast is only mediocre because they have to kind of keep the audience warmed up for when she comes back um yeah and i would i would definitely say that with bet uh it felt less like the audience was responding to the supporting cast and more sort of they were having residual uh euphoria from bet being on stage and they were sort of like yeah. still enjoying that until she came back again and i feel like maybe yeah. with donna the euphoria may not be as high when she's on stage but it allows the audience to enjoy the other cast members more when she's off yeah i uh, I, I think I, I agree with you with that and because that, that was I, I found the line that that one of the things that like i really just kept thinking about um it says that uh, Murphy also affects how the audience at large responds to the show. With Midler in charge, it's all about her. Even if her energy is flagging, the audience is nevertheless wrapped with her. But the production somewhat flags when she is not present. And I think that's what you were saying. Like, it do- I did kind of feel that way, too. Like, it's just kind of like when she is not there, which are those bigger chunks. Um, yeah. 
and I, I don't I don't think that's anyone's fault per se, but I just think it's I think it's very interesting. I, I I've been so caught up with the idea of the fact that like we have these two huge like stars performers performers. Yeah. One is a without a doubt, undeniably a much bigger star. Like I, I, I'm 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 not trying to like downplay Donna Murphy's no, importance no. because I'm such a huge fan. But I mean I don't think anyone can deny that though. Yeah, like come I, on. I, I think so too. And and I and I think there's I, I'm sure Donna Murphy's aware of it as well. Like I mean she's she is essentially Bet Midler's, you know, standby. She she just she's she's her matinee Christine. Like she's still it, the role is hers, but she doesn't do the role every night. And so exactly. it, it's just been so interesting to me to the idea of like, do you, do you think that like Bette Midler gets like weird about the fact that Donna Murphy is playing the role? Oh, I, I highly doubt it. Um, Bette knows that the show is basically her. And I don't think there's any, I, I mean, I don't think there's any ego tarnished based on it, but I also think that, I don't think there's a doubt about that in anyone with eyes in New York. I mean, it, it's well, hello bet, like without a doubt. Exactly, and I think actually with the safety of that is she that she can allow Donna to be as great as Donna can be, and it won't affect her really. So she can truly just be supportive. Um, yeah, because it doesn't. There's no legacy that's going to get changed because Donna's great. Mm. Um, and th- this show will close as most shows do, except for Phantom, and. <laughs> people will remember it as Bette Midler came to town for a year and, like, did Dolly. That's yeah. what it's going to be. Um, and those of us, hopefully, who are lucky enough to see Donna as well can say that, you know, and Donna was there to keep the momentum up when Bette was not, uh, yeah. when Bette was not there. Now that Bette couldn't keep momentum up. But, um, yeah, no, that's a very weird review. You know, basically, I, basically what I'm trying to do here is, Ryan Murphy, if you're listening, I want a season of Feud about Donna Murphy and Bette Midler. That's what I want. So oh let's, let's get that happening. It, sh- it should be Scott Rudin and the Tony Awards. That should be feud. Oh, oh okay. Let's move on. Let's get yes. to uh, yeah. some breakdowns today, shall we? Yeah. Um, so I was looking at not only theater breakdowns, but I'm also always interested in infomercial because sometimes the things. God. And so here's a breakdown for a shampoo brand commercial. So this this is to offer kind of the opposite side of what we also experience in breakdowns. Linda, 17 to 30 years old, all ethnic all ethnicities female. And that that's one one run-on sentence. No no punctuation, just a period at the end. Second character, Jane, 30 to 40 years old, all ethnicities female. Athlete A, 20 to 30 years old, all ethnicities, athletic, healthy, charming. Healthy charming? Yes. The the it goes all ethnicities, comma, athletic, comma, healthy karma he- healthy charming. Um so here's a breakdown where we get <laughs> where we get the description healthy charming. Um so I <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be on my tinder profile just, five nine healthy, healthy charming charming like not two words one word healthy charming so what like yeah like what is the opposite of healthy charming like unhealthily charming 
healthy uncharming? Like, I don't, like, who would be healthy charming? Like, is that, I, I like, it's, I, maybe like, is, uh, is, is Andy Carl healthy charming? Uh, no, I maybe, guess he's, like a, he, like he a has an injury. Who's so. got pizzazz, maybe. I don't like the most bizarrest soul cycle instructor. I don't get it. And so I was laughing so hard at that one because I was like, the fuck? What? What is going on here? Like I there was there was another breakdown that like literally it was about like an actress in DC whose husband's a, a politician and like everything seems to be going like kind of towards that plot and then literally one of the breakdowns is for a voodoo expert. And I was like, "What?" Like, it's just some of these breakdowns, you guys. I don't know. If you're listening, if you're still listening, if we haven't just completely turned you off by our gay tangents, what do you, what do you think about breakdowns? Let us know a little bit more. Or, like, one of, my, one of my most concerning breakdowns that I will see every few months on Playbill is a man who is so obviously not casting anything, but we, there are breakdowns on an official... Broadway website where a guy is just trying to get people to send he's trying to get male actors to send him pictures of their feet like he's a foot fetish have you seen this no wait what wait wait, wait, wait where is this really I've tr- I tried no. to find one on Playbill but the, it's already, all the local ones have expired and it's always under different names honestly we could just you could just edit out everything we've just talked about and this is this is one of the things I'm most concerned about in the business is there is a man who every couple months will post that he is either looking for a actors for a like one act play or for like a new web series. And it always starts off with something like, you know, like these two characters, like Tad and blah, 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 blah. And it seems like everything seems kind of normal. And then in the character breakdowns, it's like actor must have a size 12 shoe and be comfortable with their feet being massaged or tickled. Well, and and I'm like, what? <laughs> and then at the end, in the submission, it's like, please send your headshot and resume and a current photo of your feet. Oh, my God. Yes. That's... I'm not making this up. I know that other people have seen this, and I know that other people have witnessed this and put it together. But it just it, it makes me so freaked out because... You know that some people who are just moving to the city are like, oh, like, this is a role I could play. Like, the character description always describes it as, like, very generic types. And so, like, I could see that, like, a lot of people would be like, oh, I could easily play this role. And normally, money comes along with it. I don't know if he's ever actually, this person who does it, I don't know if he's ever actually auditioned. So if anyone knows anything of what I'm talking about, if we could get some kind of serial type part of the web series where I put together this mystery of this foot fetishist who is taking advantage of actors and uh, please let me know. So that's what I got about breakdowns. And then contact your local authorities and have them arrest this dude. Please. I mean, please. I have this like dark vision of uh, fame. What's her name? Coco. Where like Coco goes to the guy thinking she's thinking she's going to be in a movie. And it's like in a rundown apartment and she has to take off her top and she's crying. Like, yep. that's what I'm thinking right now, except it's with feet. It's like, now take off with your feet. shoes and take off your socks and I've got a feather. I'm going to tickle you. And it's like, yeah. And it's like so gross. Ugh. And like, there's like 70s porn playing in the background. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so, it's so disconcerting. Like, honestly, yeah. it makes me, 
It makes me so want to shower. It does. Okay, so now that we've talked about foot fetishes, which I know is exactly where you guys thought this first podcast was going to go, um, <laughs> Matt, do you think we should finish with? I I have an I, we had an idea. Matt had an idea to do this little segment called Jukebox That Musical. Correct? Yes, that was my idea. Because okay, so I wanted to say this was my idea of taking a catalog of songs from a specific artist or band or whatnot, and then like stringing songs together to create a plot and just like see what happens here's, uh, here's the thing we, we we had a lab shop work we had a, a lab workshop of it today to like figure it out to figure it out um little nuts and bolts and next week we're gonna give you the namped the nymph the fringe 2018 production of the michelle branch vanessa carlton lesbian jukebox musical I couldn't come up with the title oh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna stick with it we're gonna stick with the vanessa carlton michelle branch catalog for next week well, yeah, if we, if we want to make it better, unless you can come sure. up with something better. But I, th- I, th- I, I, can't. I, can't, I can't figure out, I can't figure out what the title should be. So the workshop title is Brunettes, which <laughs> I don't know. Well, sure. It's usually, it's usually the title of a song from the catalog, like Mamma Mia or Good Vibrations. Oh yeah. Or beautiful. Like so um, beautiful. I guess we could, so, I guess we could we'll go see. with Everywhere. No, that's working. Working title. Working title. Working we'll come title. Up something ev- even better. Everywhere brunettes. Everywhere brunettes. Um, yeah. So that'll be that'll be our challenge for next week. We're gonna jukebox that musical, and we're gonna give you our full on, full budgeted Nam to Nymph production. And if you have any ideas of any title. pop singers like the Spice Girls or anything like that that you would like to see us jukeboxing the musical to. Let us know, and we will try. Yeah. I don't really know do, a lot of um, pop music because I was... Neither do I. I was raised should in a very like, religious church, but... Should we maybe... I was raised Jewish, but only by, like, trump card. We never went to synagogue. We just would tell people we were Jewish to, you know... Well, yeah, get, to, to get ahead of the theater. I say sympathy, but, but... Yeah, just so we could pass on judgment. Should we, like, maybe come up with, like, a, a Twitter account to, like, ask people to give us recommendations, or should we just, like troll the message boards and no i think we can do it anybody. But can, can, people can when, when you post a podcast people can we'll edit oh, right. out. People, yeah they people can. can comment so so yeah okay. so here's the thing so this i think i think we've covered a lot today um uh, yes it was it perfect no so what i'm going to say is just you know bear with us guys like as we're figuring this out help us like let us know what we can do what you want to hear we still have some tricks up our sleeves and we're definitely going to cover a lot in this series but let us know what you think in some comments below and um i'm excited are you excited mathieu i'm i'm very excited jean uh i hope that the comments are helpful and not mean so please don't say anything about you know john's morning no, voice or, or my nodes we speak constructive criticism is always lovely i dare you know? i dare you to be don't... mean no <laughs> No, oh, this isn't Broadway world. You you can't be anonymous and mean to us. Yeah, this or is... if you're gonna be, you at least have to have some like knowledge behind it. Don't just yeah. say like, "Screw you guys." Yeah, wicked rules. Like, yeah. although, give me more than that. Although true, all those things are true. I mean... <laughs> God damn it, John. <laughs> this is this is tr- quickly turning to XXX. All right. So yeah, amazing. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, this has been Broadway Breakdown. I am Matt Koplick. And I am John Wascavage, and I hope you guys have a blessed Broadway week. <laughs> I hope your week is very pingy. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Let's let's oh play, my God. let's play this out. 
Yeah. Who should we have play us out? Get shout out to Broadway Diva. I think I think we should have Bette Midler play us out because we love her. Okay, Bette Midler's Bette Midler's gonna play us out. All right. Thanks, Bette. Bye. Bye. I'm gonna raise the roof. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.